What's up, guys? It's Luke. I hope you get a lot out of this awesome message. Today we're starting a new series, and the series is called Best Year Ever. Best Year Ever. Um, we are going to talk about what we need to do and what we need to pursue uh, for this next year, this next school year, to be our best year ever. Uh, I don't know about you, but I want to be better by next May or June than I am now. Going into school, I mean, I'm out of school, obviously, but for you guys, I wanna, if I, if I were a student following Jesus, I would wanna be in one place in August when I go back to school and be deeper with God, deeper in my relationship with Jesus, filled with more integrity and power and confidence when May, June comes around when we're done with school. So if that's you and you're wanting to be different, you wanted to be changed, wanted to be deeper in your walk with Jesus, then this message is for you. Uh, we're gonna talk about what we need to do and pursue for this next year to be the best year ever, this next school year. Um, so just like New Year's Eve, your best year ever will come from resolutions, the right focus. Easiest way to say it is with the right goals. Everyone say goals. With the right goals. And goals are important and keeping to those goals equally so. I can make a ton of goals. I could have a goal to climb Mount Everest this next year, but I'm not gonna make that goal unless I actually do it, right? Unless I put in the time, put in the reps, put in the practice. I'm not gonna hike Mount Everest. I like my life. But uh, successful people make goals, right? So raise your hand if you wanna be successful in your life. You wanna be successful in your life. That's awesome. That's basically all of us. We all want to be successful in our walks with Jesus. We wanna be successful just in general with finances and with your job and with school. We want to be successful. And like I said, that comes with goals, but today we're not just talking about any goals. We're talking about God goals. And that's the title of today's talk is God goals, setting God goals in our lives. We're not just talking about any kind of success, but rather what God deems as successful. If you want this year to be the best year ever, then we need to determine as one family, what does success look like? What does God deem as successful? We'll get back to that in one moment, but if I were to ask you what the best year of your life was, you might have an answer for that. It might be, oh, when I was 11 years old and this thing happened and this thing happened, or you know, when I was this last year of school and summer and everything, this was my best year ever. I'm talking about primarily your school year, so August to May or August to June. For me, surprisingly, this is gonna be really surprising, my best year ever of my life personally, not from a family perspective, obviously, 2018, getting married, 2021, having my son Elijah, but my best year personally, this might come as a shock to some of you, was 2020. How many of you know that was a weird year? <laughs> that was a weird time. And I know for many, many, many people that year and even 2021 were not awesome. I totally get that. But for me, 2020 was my best year ever. And there's a reason for that. I remember um, standing outside of Costco in March 2020 with Cassidy, we had heard rumors and whispers of the world shutting down, basically. And we're standing in line. We're gonna load up on food. We didn't know what was happening. And uh, we get the text, the, the, like the lockdown text. I know I'm triggering some of you right now. You're like, I don't wanna talk about this. We get the text, right? And I remember that next week, we're at home, nothing to do. Office is closed at church. We're all just figuring it out. 
And my mind went to two places. I was like, I hope this doesn't last long. <laughs> but the other thing that I was thinking was, I don't really know how long this is gonna last, so I'm gonna take advantage of the time. So I made this commitment to myself, commitment to my wife, Cassidy, that I was just gonna go all in with pursuing spiritual, mental, physical, and emotional health. So me and Cassidy started working out almost every single day. We got in like really good shape during that year. I was going through our discipleship level two here, working through a lot of my life and emotional stuff. I read through Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, which is an incredible book, did the workbook with it and everything. I, I put in the work to take advantage of the time. I was reading so much. I was eating clean. I was like doing all the stuff that I needed to do. My work routine was really healthy. My prayer life was the best that it's ever been. Why? Because I put my focus on the right things. And we kind of came out of that and I strayed from those disciplines. And I look back and I'm like, dude, I have not grown as much as I grew in that year. I have, that was my best year ever. And why is that? Because I made the right priorities. We put the right priorities in place and we had God goals. Not just like, you know what? I'm gonna start a side hustle and make a ton of money. There's nothing wrong with that. We could have done that. But at the beginning of that lockdown, I said, you know what? I don't know how long this is gonna last, working from home and just this season that we're in. So I'm gonna take advantage of it. And I wanna say this today. Your best year ever this next year won't come from having more fun. It won't come from getting better grades. It won't come from making the varsity team. It won't come from getting in a relationship and it won't come from getting into a certain college. I wanna say this, and this is kind of our main idea for today. This school year will be your best year ever if it's your best year spiritually. This next year will be your best year ever if it's your best year with Jesus. And I'm not just saying spiritually as in like good vibes and just being like a good chill person. No, I'm saying like going all in, setting the right priorities, setting the right God goals in your life. This next year will be your best year ever if it's your best year spiritually. The world measures success by a few different things. Promotions, accolades or achievements and influence. That's how the world measures success. For example, well, did you win? Or, well, how much money did you make? Or did you get asked to the dance? Like that's kind of how the world judges success. Especially as you get older, it's how much money are you making? What kind of car are you driving? Are you in a relationship yet? Or are you, when you're in your 20s, are you married yet? Do you have kids yet? You don't have to worry about that now, but the world has, it's set example of what success looks like. And just, to, this probably won't catch you off guard, but God's definition of success is very, very different. We're gonna talk about at the very end what that definition is, but I wanna dive a little bit deeper in this, that we can think we're successful, but actually not be. We can have all the things and the friends and the popularity and the followers and the accolades and the achievements and the grades and the cool car, but we may not actually be successful according to God's standards. Just because you're successful doesn't mean you're spiritually successful. And if we want this year to be the best year ever, we need to have a healthy understanding of what God deems as successful. 
We're going to read this really interesting story out of uh, the book of Numbers. So if you have a Bible or Bible app, go ahead and go to Numbers chapter 20. Numbers chapter 20, that's where we're going to be. If you don't have a Bible, it'll be up on the screen. Basically what's going on here in the book of Numbers, God had delivered the people of Israel out of Egypt. They were slaves in Egypt, mistreated, and God delivered his people. A million Israelites delivered them from Egypt out of their bondage, out of their slavery, brought them through the Red Sea and brought them into the wilderness. Brought them into the wilderness. And what was supposed to take about give or, day, give or take 40 days of a journey to get to the promised land ended up taking them 40 years of wandering because they began to complain. They began to not trust God. And one story out of the wilderness is Numbers chapter 20. And this is what happens. Numbers chapter 20, verse two. It says, there was no water for the people to drink at that place. So they rebelled against Moses and Aaron. The people blamed Moses and said, if only we had died in the Lord's presence with our brothers. Basically at this point, they're literally saying, I wish I was dead rather than being in this wilderness. God's delivered me from Egypt. He's done the miraculous. He's pulled us out of slavery, but now we're a little bit uncomfortable. We don't have the water that we want. So I wish that I was dead instead. That's what the Israelites are saying here. And they're complaining and they're grumbling. Verse six, Moses and Aaron turned away from the people and went to the entrance of the tabernacle. So basically the people are complaining. So Moses and Aaron, as the leaders, as, as leaders who are, are committed to following the voice of God, what do they do? There's problems with the people. So they take it up with God. It says they fell face down on the ground. Then the glorious presence of the Lord appeared to them. And the Lord said to Moses, you and Aaron must take the staff and assemble the entire community. As the people watch, speak to the rock over there and it will pour out its water. You will provide enough water from the rock to satisfy the whole community and their livestock. So God tells Moses, hey, see that rock over there? Go and speak to it and water will flow from it and all the Israelites will have plenty to drink. They're complaining they don't have water and God's answering the question. God's answering the complaint. You don't have water? Moses, go speak to that rock. Water's gonna come gushing out of it and it's gonna be awesome. That's what's going on. Continuing on verse nine. Then he and Aaron summoned the people to come and gather at the rock. Listen, you rebels, he shouted. We must bring you water from this rock. Or must we bring you water from this rock? Then Moses raised his hand and struck the rock twice with the staff and water gushed out. So the entire community and their livestock drank to their fill. Moses by what we would deem as successful is an absolute superstar right now. The Israelites are, are parched. They need water. They're complaining. They're miserable. They cry out to their leaders. We need water. God speaks to Moses and Aaron. If you do this to this rock, water's gonna come gushing out. Speak to the rock, it's gonna come. And what happens? Moses strikes the rock and water comes out and he's the hero. He's successful. He's successful in the eyes of the people. He's a hero, right? Wrong. He's actually a failure. Verse 12, the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not trust me enough to demonstrate my holiness to the people of Israel, you will not lead them into the land that I'm giving them. In other words, God's saying, remember that promised land that I'm having you lead the people to? You won't be able to enter into it. 
And you're like, wait, what's going on? Like the water came from the rock. Moses is successful. The people have water. What's going on? It's that Moses didn't actually obey God. If you go back in the scripture, go back a few verses, he said, as the people watch, speak to the rock over there and it will pour out its water. It will provide enough water from the rock to satisfy the whole community. But then go down. Then Moses raised his hand and struck the rock twice with a staff and water gushed out. Moses wasn't fully obeying God and it cost him something. Yes, he's a hero in the sight of all of Israel. He's a success story to the people, but God says, actually, that's not what I said to do. I commanded you to speak to the rock, not to strike the rock. Yes, water came gushing out, amazing, awesome, but God's not concerned about that. He's saying, Moses, you didn't trust me fully. And you might be wondering, why would Moses strike the rock and like hit the rock with his staff rather than speak to it? Why wouldn't he just obey God? Well, it's because this situation had happened before in Exodus chapter 17. In Exodus chapter 17 was the same situation. And at that point, God said, strike the rock. Moses strikes the rock and water comes gushing out. So Moses, rather than putting himself out there in obedience to God, maybe being a little bit embarrassed, because imagine if he's just walking over, the people had seen him hit the rock with the staff before. And this time he goes, do something. (laughs) You know, he's looking at the rock and he's just speaking to it. The people are like, uh, hello, we've been in this situation before. Just hit it, hit the rock. God will do it the same way. But that's not what God had commanded Moses to do. This is what I'm trying to say by explaining this story. You can be a great big success story to your parents, your friends, your teachers, and your coaches, but not be successful in the eyes of God. And that's not to say that God doesn't love you and champion you and have a plan for you and a purpose for you. God's love is endless. It's limitless. All the love of God as a follower of Jesus has been deposited into your life account, so to speak. God has given you his love endlessly. That's not changing. His love is unceasing. We we ought to be identified and walk confidently in the love of God. Amen? His love is limitless, but there is a scale as far as our success. If I'm not successful in the eyes of God, it doesn't mean he doesn't love me and care for me, but I don't know about you as a follower of Jesus, I want God to look at my life and say, that man is a success because he follows me and obeys me to the T. Everything I speak, everything I command, everything about his life, it points back to me. If we're not intentional, we may miss the bigger story that God is wanting to write this next school year. If we're not intentional with our lives, some of you are about to start middle school. Others are about to start your last year of high school. Or maybe even some of you are moving on to college. Others, you're about to move to a different campus and start freshman year. Or maybe you're in a school change. I promise you this. It is far more rewarding and worth it and fulfilling to walk pure rather than popular, sanctified rather than settling, and consecrated rather than caving to the crowd.
I promise you it is more fulfilling and worthwhile to walk pure rather than popular, sanctified rather than settling and consecrated rather than caving to the crowds around you. You will get far more out of this next year by saying, I obey one man and his name is Jesus. Now, what am I saying? Am I saying we just pack up our things and go live in a monastery and just be silent and wear robes and shave our heads like monks? No, that's not what I'm saying. We ought to be in the world, displaying the light and the love of the Father. But if you wanna be a success story in God's eyes, it means obeying what he says, not doing what's familiar, what's comfortable. Moses struck the rock because that's what's comfortable. God was asking him, speak to the rock this time. And because he didn't, it, it cost him something. I know this sounds intense and you know, we're all vibing. It's a good Sunday morning and we're all, but I want you to ask yourself, what am I missing out on by only 95% being obedient to the voice of God and to the word of God? What am I missing out on? And as we close, it's a short message today, but I believe in my heart that God's definition of success is this. Radical obedience drawn from the well of love for him. Radical obedience drawn from a well of love for Jesus. That's success. That I, I'm a success story in the eyes of God. I'm, I'm, I'm loved by him and cared for and I belong to him, I'm a son or a daughter of the most high. Yes, absolutely. But if you wanna be a success story, not in the eyes of your parents or teachers or coaches or anybody else, it takes radical obedience that flows from the spring of love that you have for Jesus, overflowing from your heart. Jesus, I love you, so therefore I obey you. I long for you. So therefore, I wanna do what you say. I'm going to speak to the rock, not strike it. And Jesus says this to close out, Matthew 16. Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. What do you benefit if you gain the whole world, all the friends and the popularity and the stuff and the cool house and all the comfortability and all the accolades and the achievements and the grades and you make varsity and you have the winning catch or the winning goal? What do you gain if you gain the whole world but lose your soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? For the Son of Man will come with his angels in the glory of his Father and judge all people according to their deeds. That's not to say, by the way, that we're saved by the things that we do. Can't emphasize this enough. We are saved and forgiven by our sins simply by the blood of Jesus shed on the cross for us, amen? That's our gateway, that's the highway to God. That is the, the only way that we get to the Father is through the Son and His sacrifice for us on the cross. But there is more in our lives 
in terms of success. Get the grades. Work your tail off. Absolutely. Give your all on the court or on the field or in the dance studio or in cheer practice or chess class, okay? Give it your all. Absolutely. But I would rather be decent, okay, and mediocre at the things of the world and be killing it with Jesus and God be saying in heaven, now that's a success story. I think I had to learn this when I was in college. When I came into my golf team, the golf team I was recruited to play on came in as the number one seed for our team. Number one, number two, I'm thinking like, you know, this is gonna be, I'm gonna be really good on this team. Coach made me team captain. And I was like feeling so good. And then a lot of stuff happened, back injury, playing terrible golf. And it was almost like the Lord was like, hey, hey buddy, you're putting a lot of your stock, a lot of your identity, a lot of your success is being found in your golf score right now. So I'm gonna lovingly remove that from the equation for a minute so that you can see what success looks like in my eyes. If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. I'm not saying you gotta quit your soccer team. I'm not saying you gotta drop out of school. I'm not saying don't have friends. But have God goals for this year. What do you wanna say nine months from now when you're wrapping up another school year? Do you wanna say, dude, got 4.0 both semesters? For some of you smarties, got 4.2, 4.3 AP classes. Like, I crushed it. But then the Lord's like, that's awesome. I'm proud of you, but, but we've lost connection. Like I said, I would much rather be disciplined in my life and working hard and, and all that. Yes, absolutely, but be an absolute success by God's definition because I'm filled with radical obedience. Lord, I will speak to the rock. You said before to strike it, but now you're saying speak to it. So Lord, I will obey you even if it costs me people's respect, friendships. Lord, your way, your timing, your purposes for my life. So Father, we thank you this morning. We honor you, Lord. We want your vision for this next year. Just for a moment, I want you to ask God, just in the stillness, I want you to ask God this simple question. God, what does it look like for me to be a success in your eyes in this next school year? Not what my parents say is successful, not what my coach says is successful, not what I say is successful. God, what do you deem as a success? 
Now I want you to pray a radical prayer. And don't pray this, don't speak these words if, if you don't want this, but simply say, God, I want to be a success in your eyes. So help me in that pursuit. God, I want this next year to be my best year ever. Give me a radical love for you that bubbles up and overflows into a life of obedience. God, would we be people that don't do the comfortable thing, strike the rock, but rather we listen to your voice, speak. We obey you to the T, to your word. Would we be found in our bedrooms with the word of God open, being transformed, molded, changed. Put a love for your law in us, put a love for your ways in us, put a love for your standards, God, for your way of living, put a love for that in us. If any of you desires to be my follower, just give up your own way, take up your cross, follow me. Father, we lay down any ambition, any goal, any target in our life. Anything you're asking us to lay down, we lay it down because we want to succeed in your eyes, Lord. Give us vision for this next year, God. And would that vision be so inspiring and so powerful that it activates our hands, that we get, that we get dirty, so to speak, that we, we get our hands in the dirt. And we do the work, Father. And we frequent time with you. We praise you, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Awesome. Well, that's gonna do it for today. So thank you guys for joining us. Um, and uh, I wanna encourage you this next week, as you guys are gearing up to go back to school, grab your journal, grab your Bible, start writing out what, is, what do I want to look like in nine months? What do I wanna look like by the end of this school year? And go all in, go all in for this next, this next school year. That was such a great message. If you are interested in connecting with us, please check out our website at theroxyacom slash youth or text The Rock Youth MS or The Rock Youth HS to 33222 for texting updates on everything we have going on here at The Rock Youth. Or follow us on Instagram at The Rock Church YTH. We'll see you guys next time.